You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We welcome back to our show Amilcar Shabazz, Professor Shabazz from the African American Studies Department at UMass Amherst. And we are so pleased that he can be with us today because next Monday, Martin Luther King Day, we do not have a live show. And so we want to take this opportunity to have the professor's view on Martin Luther King as a historic and historical figure and on the way in which the United States celebrates Martin Luther King Day. So give us your overall perspective, if you would, please, Professor. Yes, thank you. Um, It's with all that's going on, this weakening and uh, of democracy, the threats to democracy, with all that's going on, uh, with uh, terrorism and war, uh, still grave uh, significant conflicts in the world, um, the attacks on African American studies, so-called critical race theory, um, banning books, and and really just the whole tif- tilt toward fascism and authoritarianism. It one would think that a figure like Dr. Martin Luther King would uh, become uh, of less importance. Um, and, and, and there is some signs that with certain communities, I was looking at a recent study by the Pew uh, Research and um, amongst, uh, it, it, there's a real partisan thing happening amongst many Republicans. Um, the, the view of Dr. King is, is, hasn't grown fav- any more favorable um, I think there's 30% of Republicans will say that um, they're influenced positively by his legacy, uh, somewhat or, or greatly, whereas a 30% of the same group feels uh, Dr. King's legacy was not a positive impact or doesn't have any impact on their thinking at all. So it's um, there has been some diminution, but overall, uh, I think Dr. King's um, work, his legacy, um, the revolution he worked for uh, remains a very uh, vital uh, force and, uh, and that people are, are not just, um, it, it hasn't become this kind of routinized thing to just sort of, you know, uh, you know genuflect to, to Dr. King, and, but, but that people still see there's something, there, there's a kind of revolutionary message that uh, that comes through from his life and his example and his words. I think that there is this somewhat uh, 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 reduced in its uh, intensity view of Dr. King. Uh, he was, uh, to my mind, a revolutionary in his time, and yet the mainstream media's presentation of Dr. King and the way in which we celebrate MLK Day is the March on Washington, the speech about brotherly love and sitting down at the table of brotherhood together, uh, and that kind of very positive message, which is fine, but leaves out all of the way in which there was struggle and which he was subjected to violence and incarceration, as were many, many people in the movement many of whom died. So how do you reconcile those two aspects of Dr. King's life? 
I think it's true in, in uh, largely with any uh, important uh, historical, iconic uh, public figure. There's a tendency to sort of reduce them to, uh, to what you find most palatable and what um, particularly the, the, the sources of authority in society want to validate about them. And so that kind of saccharine, sweet, um, you know, let's all hold hands together uh, kind of uh, person is, is one that the authority structures, you know, would find palatable. And so that's, that's what you'll get in the, in the advertising and the marketing and, and so much of it. But, uh, but truth be told, um, there, uh, um, for many, the, 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 the evidence is there and people do find it all the time and write about it. I just was posting today an article from last year, January 15th, that a columnist and opinion published in the New York Times, Esau Macaulay is his name, an author of a number of books. And um, he was talking about the revolutionary legacy and goes straight into uh, from much many of King's words, including the March in Washington speech, how reparations was, a, was an idea that he was far back as in 1963, as far back as then was trying to begin to plant in the in in the world's mind, in, in the in the mind of Americans, in the mind of the world, this notion that the bank of justice should not be empty when the African American community appears before it, coming as they as he said, we are here in Washington to cash a check, to cash a check that is owed us, you know, and so. You, you've got the call for reparations, not only in the March in Washington speech, but in many others. And, um, and Esau Macaulay uh, piece really minds that and points that out. So here we are in the midst of this reparations conversation. And Dr. King was there, um, you know, 50 years, 70, 60 years before. Uh, and we can go back and find that and take, take, take uh, heart from that. Professor, I'm sorry. Shabazz, that, that, that is um, a great segue to my question, because I was in Atlanta. I lived in Atlanta uh, during my teenage years, during the ascendancy of uh, Dr. King in our sort of knowledge base. People became more and more aware of him. And what the things that he did that I really remember is he was trying to register um, uh, African-Americans as voters. Um, he was uh, dealing, he, he was conferring with President Kennedy, he was, he was campaigning for Lyndon Johnson. Um, he was a, an African-American presence in the news all the time as someone who could take a leadership role in trying to do many of the things which we still need to be done. We still need to register African-Americans. We still uh, need to have a direct link to the President of the United States by civil rights leaders throughout the country. So. And I do remember, it's a long-winded question, but the, the end of the question is, I remember when there was a debate about whether or not to name a holiday for him, and the reason why, the compelling reason to do it was so that constantly in the future of our country, we'll remember the need for that kind of activism. Well, what do we well, have today? Yeah. That's great, Buzz, and I, I appreciate that because one of the things that I a call that I'm making here in 2024 is um, uh, concerns how we we are remembering and how we are expressing 
our values through our built environment, through our land, through the landscape of our of our towns. Uh, over uh, nearly a thousand American cities and towns all honor uh, Dr. Martin Luther King with some type of street, some type of public um, uh, uh, expression in that way. And yet, I look at my in my own little Amherst. And, uh, you know, despite how we're known in the world and our, our values and our ed educational uh, stature with our institutions of higher ed, there's no Martin Luther King Boulevard, no Martin Luther King Drive Street, nothing uh, whatsoever. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's a missed opportunity. It's a seriously you know, a significant missed opportunity. So all the little, little breakfasts you do once a year, and, and then that's even fallen off in Amherst, or all the little events. And we do have one coming up that uh, the, uh, uh, some folks have put together for January 15th. And, and again, um, uh, celebrating the life and legacy of Dr. King. Uh, the quest for peace and justice, and and that's all great. That's from our our town's human rights commission and the uh, office of diversity, equity, and inclusion at uh, 1 p.m. in the Bang Center on Monday, January 15th. And that's all great. But again, I'm looking at the landscape. I'm looking at why don't we have some type of monument, some type of marker, and a street or a square? I've talked to our our chief of police, uh, Chief Ting. I've talked to um, the pastor of uh, the church, uh, first church in, uh, in Amherst, where Dr. King actually spoke. There's a tiny little plaque down in the room where he spoke at the uh, at first church in, in Amherst. And, that's, and yet I've talked to the pastor, uh, Vicki Kemper. She, she's, she, we're going to be getting together soon to, uh, to really look at how do we do a bit more. Uh, I'd like something on the order, maybe not as monumental, but in Boston with the Embrace sculpture. Why can't we have something that, and, and, and it's more than just the Embrace sculpture. If you go there, there's all kinds of educational uh, plaques and place to kind of memorialize people who have struggled for peace and justice uh, in the world. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful space there in, um, in, on the Boston uh, Commons, but uh, we have nothing in Amherst. And I'd like to see that change in 2024. I think that'll be a great step in our work of reparations to uh, uh, to honor uh, the legacy of Dr. King. And I always say Coretta King as well, Coretta and Martin Luther King. I wonder what you think Dr. King would think about that proposal, because it strikes me in some ways that it elevates this great man uh, theory of history. And I think that Dr. King would say, perhaps in a self-deprecating way, uh, it wasn't about me. It was about the movement. It was about the people. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that. Well, 100%, uh, Bill, I agree. Uh, his very last speech there in um, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, talked about the drum major instinct and how that was never what was part of his motivation to be at the lead, to be at the front, to be the drum major. Uh, but he said, if I had to, I would be as a drum major for justice. He, he went on to say that, you know, he, he just wanted to be known as somebody who tried to love somebody, who tried to love people and, and do something good for people. He was, he was a humble brother that way. Absolutely. From people I've met who knew him personally, 
uh, people like Bill Strickland and others. He absolutely was uh, was an extraordinarily humble person. Struggled a lot with with depression and, and a lot of uh, mental health issues. Uh, we, we know beset him. Uh, we so we see the public figure, but behind that was somebody very you know uh, going through a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. Uh, let me tell you, from the re very repression that Buzz was talking about, all of the jailings, all of the, the things being sent to his, you know, death threats and, and uh, tapes of him, you know, being sent to his wife to, to discredit him and, and cause problems in the marriage. And, I mean, everything it, it came at him. And yet, he, he, you see, we see this resilient, poised, wonderful person. But, but I don't see it as trying to emphasize a great man, his uh, idea of history. I see it as a way to express through him what we value and what we're working for today in terms of peace and justice, in terms of fighting war and militarism, in terms of a, a, a more just transformative economy that uses our work, our labor and our resources in a more equitable and, and, uh, and, and sensible fashion than just funneling up to the 1%. I think all these things that he lived and died for or, or is what we will express when we make this uh, expression on the physical landscape in our in our towns. I love this conversation you're both having because in I think Rosa Parks died at 92, and when she died, Greenfield Community College dedicated uh, the date of her birthday um, as Rosa Parks Day in perpetuity. And her family said, as long as you use it not to remember her, but really to promote the mission that she lived for. And, um, and in fact, GCC has tried to do that. They had me out to speak one time, and that, I really loved it. We are going to continue our conversation about Dr. Martin Luther King right after this. I can see all around me Everywhere I could see all around me Everywhere More Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg coming up right here on WHMP. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue our conversation with Professor Mukash Shabazz from the African American Studies Department at UMass Amherst. He was a member, has been a member of the African American Assembly in Amherst for a long time, part of the reparations effort in that town. Of course, reparations is a major issue here in Northampton as well and in municipalities across the country. Where do you think uh, the reparations struggle stands? And in particular, do you feel satisfied about what the Reparations Commission in Amherst accomplished, perhaps by giving us an overview of what it did accomplish? Yes, so um, thank you. The, I think things are going fine. Things are, things are going great. This is a movement. Uh, what we can do at the federal level is what's most important. What we can do at the local level is a building block and a stepping stone to that federal and even global process. So uh, the $2 million that has been committed to the, uh, uh, organize, the move toward organizing a successor program. $2, yep, two million dollars in the town of Amherst. 
in the town of Amherst and the, the move to create a successor body that that goes that d develops the, the the initiatives that the black community wants to see as part of reparative justice now has a place will have a place to go will have funds set aside that things can happen work can happen uh, uh, in regards to some of those problems and it's not limited just to that two million but that's that's one particular pool so we're with it we're in progress I think we're on schedule my view is there'll be some type of monetary disbursement in 2024. So, um, you know, and, and, and on the larger scale of this, um, you know, what Michelle Miller and I were recently at a school in Greenfield, uh, Four Rivers, uh, uh, great school, great program. The students there are engaged in their civics, 10th graders are engaged in civics activities. And uh, they had a panel of folks to come and speak about community things, things you can do in the community. And, um, because their, their project is do something, th thinking of what's something you could do. So there were folks there from the food bank, there were folks there from uh, of Western Mass, there were folks there um, from the Opioid Task Force, uh, Stone Soup uh, Cafe, and, uh, and Michelle and I speaking from the um, uh, experience of uh, for the struggle for reparations in Amherst, we really, uh, I think, connected with some of the young people there. There are multiple ways. We, you know, letter writing to, to, to Joe Biden uh, or an op-ed or, or just writing a, sending a postcard in to the White House to say, hey, I'm for reparations. Let's, let's uh, get, the, get a commission created at the federal level. You know, that's the first step, right? Study the harms, uh, analyze it, make the case for it, uh, for, for the need to address those harms. And then we come to the different formulations of what the price tag should look like, how it will be paid, who's eligible. We'll come to all of that. So um, uh, we, we got this, this local scale is all to build toward the national, the federal, the, the, the larger fruition. And, and I think we can, we can get there if we keep working on it. You sound almost optimistic. I, 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 I'm, I'm gobsmacked. I, tell me more about the optimism. Share that, because I look at what the Supreme Court did to affirmative action. I look at what the Republican Party is doing to uh, uh, disparage and to dismiss study of racism in the United States, and I find it really discouraging. So share the uplift. I mean, and even talk about the, the, the House Republicans, what is it? They have some bill to punish uh, states and municipalities who engage in reparations. So it's, uh, it's, it's really, uh, there's definitely a dark forces out there working against us. But yes, I, I remain uh, positive. I remain optimistic that, uh, that good, good will overcome evil. <laughs> we, we're going to do it. You think Amherst sets an example for how this uh, issue of reparations should be and can be handled and addressed on a local level? Well, it's not so, so important if I see it. It's, it's the way uh, people all over the country are seeing it. We had a summit in December and uh, by uh, First Repair and the National African Americans Reparations Commission, and they honored Michelle Miller. They gave uh, their, uh, you know, an award to her for her service, for her leadership, for all that she has done uh, in in in, uh, um, in in our community here to set an example to to the to the rest of the country. Well, we leave it there. We so appreciate your insight with regard to Dr. King. And we look forward to celebrating and honoring Dr. King 
on the day that we set aside to commemorate his life and his achievements and what he has meant and continues to mean for the country. Professor Amakar Shabazz, thank you so much. Dr. King lives in the people's struggle. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white. I'm in love, but I'm still sad. I found peace.